Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not to three. Yeah! Hello, Cobblers fans, and welcome to our third special episode of the week. If you've not heard our interviews with Chris Wilder, Alan Neil, and yesterday's one with Nicky Adams, then go and take a look at our website, cobblers2me.com. So, what do we have for you today? Uh, well, along with Neil, hi, mate, you okay? Hello, mate. Yep, all good. Thank you. I'm also joined by three other Cobblers fans to discuss the Cobblers' chances of success this season. So to start off, we'll get a nice introduction from all of our guests. Uh, We'll start with you, Rodney. Um, What was your first Cobblers game? And who's your favourite Cobblers player, past or present? Um, Saturday the 1st of November, 1975, uh, at home to Watford in the old fourth division. Uh, we actually went up that season. We won the game 3-0. And uh, I thought, oh, this is brilliant. It was the first time my dad had ever taken me. What happened a few months later, of course, was that the manager resigned at the end of the season. Most of the players left, and we were relegated a year later. So the usual cobbler's yo-yo story, I guess, you know, means that that first two seasons taught me not to expect too much or get, overexcited when things look good 
And your favourite cobblers player? Um, probably County Ground era Trevor Morley, simply because he came from non-league, wasn't expecting much, and he turned out to be a player. He went on to play in what's now the Premier League. It's just brilliant. He had everything. And um, I guess Sixfields era, Neil Grayson, I just think he had a lot. He was a real fans player. He had speed. He gave it his all. And he should have been at the club a lot longer. I still dislike Ian Atkins because he released Neil Grayson. Were you there, Rodney, for Neil's snow dive? I was. I think it was a hat trick in about four minutes either side of half time, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember we went, or I went to uh, the legends do that the club put on back in November, and uh, Larry was one of those legends. And and yeah, he he was quite sad to go as well by the sound of it. He didn't say anything bad about Ian Atkins and about the way that he left or anything like that, but he he certainly had a a tinge of disappointment, I think, at the fact that he didn't get to stay for longer than he did. It's one of my bugbears with managers, though, is that um, he hadn't signed Grayson, and I'm sure it's one of the reasons he got rid of him. You know, managers come in, and for whatever reason, even if a player's playing really well, they don't seem to like keeping them because he's not my man type thing. Oh, now, who do we know that that could be in relation to? Billy Waters. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Waters. <laughs> Sorry, Billy. Oh, there's always you, Neil. There's always you. Uh, so next, we've also got Will. How are you, Will? You okay? I'm good, thank you. Good stuff. So come on then, what was your first Cobblers game? I think it was back in 2012 when we went to the playoffs under AD Boothroyd. It was Didn't uh, happen. It, it was the first Can't. season. Didn't um, the first season, games then? first season I was um, ball boy. Okay. Um, so that got me quite excited. I've done this a few like international friendlies over the summer. Uh, and then I spoke to the man- the ball boy manager and then I was a ball boy for that season. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, this was back in the days, was it when like the under 17s England set yeah, up? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I remember doing a Romania under 19s versus England. I remember that. That was a good game. Okay. That. Yeah. So you so you have watched some decent football at six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, who's your favourite player? Will? Um, it's David Buchanan. Um, the main reason um, was because as I was a ball boy, I remember we were winning a game two one, and I remember Chris Wilder shouting at me, going, "Leave it!" And I left it. And then uh, I walked up to Buchanan slowly. I remember him shaking my hand, and I was such a young boy. It was such a good thing for me. Like it was so memorable. And I remember I was the cool kid in school telling everyone that a famous footballer shook my hand. And yeah, so I was the cool kid at the time then. Oh, fair enough. That's yeah. a good story. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Just a question, Will. Was your first Tobblers game uh, the Wembley final against Bradford? No, I was I was the ball boy at the start of the season. Oh, okay. Because like I say, that was your first game and you came back yeah. for more afterwards, then you, you were incredibly stupid. <laughs> 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 yeah. Aren't we all though, Neil? We, that's why we support Cobbers. <laughs> I still remember my dad because he's been a long long life supporting Cobbers fan. I remember we were 3-0 down and he said, don't worry, I've seen Cobbers turn it around. And he kept saying it until the last 10 minutes. He was like, yeah, lad, sorry, we've lost. I'm sorry. <laughs> In the last 10 minutes, he yeah. kept going to that. Kept going. I, I'd, I'd given up and gone home at half time. <laughs> <laughs> he kept saying, I was like, okay, dad, but no, never changed. <laughs> Oh dear. When, I think when I got to Wembley that day and saw that it was Bayo on the bench and, and oh, Clive Clark, oh, I, I'd already resigned myself to defeat. Oh no, stop. But it didn't stop. happen. No. <laughs> I will. It's fine. We've also got uh, Chesie. Hi, Chesie. You all right? 
Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. I'm good, thank you very much. Yes. Uh, how about you? What was your first game? Uh, mine was Wembley, but it was the Grimsby match, unfortunately. Um, I was five at the time. Um, and basically, my mum wanted to get me out of the house because I was driving a mad at five years old, as you do. So my dad thought it'd be a great idea to take me to Wembley for the day. Um, and obviously, we didn't go the way we wanted it to. But then I was hooked since then. So I've been going. I I don't live uh, in Hampton. I live in Somerset, which you can probably tell by my accent. But we drive up quite regularly. So yeah, that was my first match, and I've been hooked ever since. That, that is some first match to have yeah, gone to, to be honest. To go to that game with, was it 42,000 Cobblers yeah. fans that year? Yeah, it was mad. I, I, to be honest, I don't really remember much about it because I was so young. But mm. I obviously liked something about it because uh, I, I decided I wanted to go again. So it just became a theme then. To be fair, all I really remember from that match, I remember Woody saving the penalty and that's because where we were sat was right in line with the penalty spot. So we had a great view of that penalty. And the only other thing that I really remember was was crying a lot at the end. And I was young as well yeah. before you say anything. <laughs> and I cried as well, don't worry. Yeah, it was a... <laughs> yeah, I think everybody did that, though. <laughs> uh, so what about your favourite player then, Chelsea? Um When I was really young, it was Derek Asamoah, um, simply because he just scored goals. Um, but I think Bayo has to be up there. Just his character. There's just something about him. Even now, you know, when you look back at what he did at the club, there's just something about him and his character and what he did for the club. So definitely him. Okay, fabulous. Um, so then, guys, uh, we're obviously here at the start of a brand new season. Optimism has been well. It was high. We beat beat Sil- Silby or Silby, as Danny likes to say, seven nil. Optimism optimism was very high. Then we didn't do so well and optimism disappeared completely. And then on Friday, we beat MK Dons and it seems that we're back in the hunt for the League Two title again. Um, but Keith has made an awful lot of changes this summer, 12 in total so far. What what do you guys make of them? Will, we'll start with you. I think they're fantastic signings. Um, like some of them, I think as soon as we started signing a few, of course, the players get attracted. Someone like Anna McCormack, if we can keep him fit, he'll be so key for us this season. Um, Steve Arnold, especially like such high competition between him and Cornell now, like no one knows who's going to play um, against Walsall on Saturday. But even someone like Matt Warburton, you know, a non-league player who's done so well to give him a chance. I think that's just a, a, a different bind. Um, but no, I think we've signed some good players. Like we've got rid of, you know, Buchanan and John Joe, who were legends at the club, but they had to go realistically. And we've replaced them with, I think, young, fresh players, really. I'm quite pleased. Do, how, how do we all feel about Buchanan and, and O'Toole leaving? I, I know before we started recording, Rod, Rodney, you were saying that you, I think you agree with what Will's just said there. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, jo, uh, John Joe, I love as a person. Uh, I think he just had an affinity with the club, a bit like Chessie was saying. Um, with old Bayo as well. Um, but John Joe, last couple of years, he hasn't been the John Joe we saw in the Champions season. I think he's lost a yard of pace. He's not fit a lot of the time. And I think, you know, probably for him, he needed a fresh start. And in terms of David Buchanan, I think David Buchanan is a lovely 
guy in terms of what he's done in the community as a fullback. I think he's a bog standard fourth tier fullback who is not a wing back. And if they're going to play three at the back with sort of two wing backs, uh, then he doesn't fit that. I think that's a, that's a fair point and something that Neil's probably said countless of numbers of times on podcasts before. Um, Chessy, you as well. Uh, I mean, everyone liked and loved maybe even David Buchanan while he was at the club. Same goes for you? Yeah, I think um, David Buchanan and, and John Joe were two that kind of led us through that champions year. And I think we were all a little bit frightened to let them go because I think we felt like we were going to lose part of the club because they'd become part of the club. But I think this season we were at risk of not pushing ourselves far enough by holding on to them. And as hard as it was to let them them go, because they're such big parts, a big part of the club, I think it's the right decision. I absolutely adored John Joe. I thought he was brilliant, and I thought David Buchanan was too. But I do think that it was the right call, because if we're going to push for you know promotion this year, we need to have a really strong squad. And I think it was Rodney that said, actually, they've lost a bit of pace. They they're not, they might be out of position and they're not playing the way that they did those years ago. And I think we were holding on to that a little bit. And I think we need to break away from that cycle that we had because I don't think it was healthy for the club this year and, and last year. Um, I, I love John Joe. Uh, I'm still sad he's gone, even though I think it was the right time for him to go. I think he'd... He'd come to the end of the road and he was struggling a little bit, wasn't he? He was in and out of the team and stuff and he was he was below par and I think it just got to that time where it was time for a change for him. David Buchanan definitely split opinion in the fans, I think. Uh, and I think a large part of that is not necessarily the football side of things. I know he put a, he's put some stuff on social media over the past few years and he's entitled to his own opinion and stuff, hasn't he? Um, but I think that's that's definitely split some of the fans. Um, and I honestly, I wasn't fussed to see him leave. I think he was great, definitely in the promotion season and stuff. But again, I think he's not dynamic enough. And, and I think they're both the right decisions. Yeah, unfortunately, in football, there really isn't any room for sentiment. As Chessie said, if we're going to move forward as a club and challenge for promotion, you can't keep people on for sentimental reasons. Uh, I don't think David Buchanan would have been happy sitting on the bench and that's what he would have been doing, realistically. And so, you know, you do have to move on, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree with that, I think. And I, I think the only thing that, that that maybe that you could kind of point to it is is perhaps the way that the way that he left the club. Um when when we met him, when we went on Radio Northampton's Cobbler show, he, he was quite adamant that he, he didn't know. What, what the decision was going to be um, regarding his situation. Um, we were talking, what, about two weeks before the end of the season, I think. And, you know, what Keith Curl and the club had put out in the press was true. You know, nobody knew what the retain list was at that point, other than probably Keith Curl himself. Um, and, and maybe he should have been, as, as such a long-standing member of the squad and, and the club captain should have perhaps have been sort of let down a bit more gently than he was and, and, and been given that, that kind of time to prepare, maybe. Um, but 
at the end of the day, I completely agree with what everyone's just sort of said, which is that, yeah, it probably was the right time for him to move on. Um, what about you then, Rodney? What do you make of the signings that we've made this summer? I agree with a lot of what Will said. I think there's a nice mixture of experienced players of one promotion. So, you know, the likes of Martin McCormack, again, as Will said, if he stays fit. I think probably he's there for off-field reasons as well. From what I understand, he's very much the sort of uh, commander in the changing room. He's there to basically make sure Keith Curl's orders, um, you know, are carried out. I think that's one of the reasons maybe that some of the players left in the summer. It may have been for non-football reasons as well. I mean, Keith Curl has talked this summer about how the dressing room was very bad at times last season. I think McCormack is there to make sure it's not. The player who excites me actually the most is, is Matty Warburton. Um, I just think I, I've loved the interviews with him. He's articulate. He's intelligent. He's given up a really good career at 27, which is sort of middle age for a footballer, to to live the dream. And I, I love the fact that he's clearly going to be hungry and he's got some talent. And I think that's the sort of player you want. I still I think that is as well. I agree with Rodney because I think Matt Warburton... Um, he has to prove himself like he has to prove he's a league two player. It's his first ever, um, you know, professional preseason. He's been part-time preseason at Stockport. So he's really got to prove himself. Like people like um, Ryan Watson, they've come in from MK Dons. Like, yes, they've got a bit of reputation, but it's not as high reputation as Marty Warburton. So really, he really has to push himself throughout this preseason and prove that he is good enough for league two. Jesse, what, what about you? What do you make of the signings as a whole? And, and, is there a particular standout player for you? I am. Um, I agree with the the others as well. I think Matty Warburton is is the one that jumped out at me, uh, just for the element of a gamble about it. it. It is a gamble to sign somebody like that because you're in uncharted waters. You don't know what he's going to do. We don't really know what he's capable of. But actually, if that pays off, that could be a huge signing for us. If he can score goals, then you've got something to work with. But equally, the McCormick signing, for me, is very reminiscent of when we had the likes of Ian Taylor and Sean Dyche in that squad under Colin Coldwood, where you had those experienced people who would just bring everyone together and just get that element of calmness, which we haven't had since Wilder, I don't think. So I think if we can get that in the squad, and we've got characters like that who can really bring that element of togetherness again I think you've got what you need I think that is probably the most impressive element about the signings um generally I think Neil I think you're nodding your head there uh, uh nodding my head definitely about the Alan McCormack shout I think he's exactly what we need uh it, it, like Chessie just mentioned Ian Taylor when we had um What's his name? Was it Jason Taylor in centre midfield? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any any sort of defensive sort of ball winning midfielder that that isn't the most gifted necessarily, but will break up play and do the simple stuff. And and Alan McCormack as well. He's he's definitely not someone that's going to be afraid to shout at people and have a go at people and direct people, which is what they need. You know, they've the the teams we've had over the past couple of years have been too nice. They've been pretty bland you know they've been afraid to upset each other really uh, apart from Ash Taylor who seems to have a go at everyone um, but actually I think one of the most underrated signings of the season has been Charlie Goode um, 
per- personal opinion is I, I think underrated really underrated uh, yeah I think people were happy when we signed him but I think I think he's going to be bigger and better for us than what people actually expect I, I think he is he he will thrive on the responsibility of being captain um and I think he's still young he's still learning and, and I just think there's a there's a potential there that he is going to be a real driver for our team and and if you think about the spine of the team we've got now we have a definite spine we've not had that for 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 many well for for three years yeah i mean the the other one i would mention is harry smith um i remember the macclesfield game towards the end of last season and i am a very very calm person i'm a teacher so i have to be calm and um harry smith had me like annoyed the way he was on the pitch and i think he obviously thrives off that. He's commented on it since signing. He's another player who came from non-league until a few years ago. I think he was a welder. And again, he's given up a profession to, to I, I think he went to Millwall and before going on to Macclesfield. And I like those players who know something outside the world of football. They've actually done, you know, jobs that last a whole day rather than until lunchtime when you go home and play golf or whatever. And so I love the fact that um, Harry Smith is another one who's hungry. He's six foot five. Uh, I think he's going to be horrible for defenders to come up against. I'm expecting a couple of red cards during the season. But if he gets, you know, 15, 20 goals as well, great. What about... What about Nicky Adams? The player that, uh, and this is a horrible, oh yeah, well, there is Nicky Adams, of course. You could, you, but isn't that a bit obvious? So? Chessie, what do you think? A bit obvious to say Nicky Adams is the signing of the season? Um, yes, but equally, I think we we needed that signing because I think that, that stopped this panic amongst the fans. I think once we got him, everyone thought, oh, okay maybe we're going to put a squad together. Because I think once we got hold of the Adams sign-in, um, we were able to kind of build a squad around him. And I think everyone kind of just got a bit of a lift from that because we we know what we've got with him and we know what we're going to get with him. And we know that he'll put in the effort and he'll work and work and work. And hopefully the others will do the same around him. I think we've needed... We, we, we haven't had someone like Nicky Adams since Nicky Adams uh, and and Ricky Holmes and I think we need we still need someone else <laughs> we still need someone else I think on the other side to help provide stuff because Sam Hoskins is not going to do it yeah I, I agree he's going to kick it well, off Ricky for... Holmes is still, a, is still available isn't he Ricky Holmes he is he's, he's on, in hospital yeah. isn't he he's always in hospital <laughs> <laughs> there's some there's some chatter isn't there he, he, I heard somewhere he was going for a medical at Bradford or something but I think that might have just been the Twitter rumour mill but it would have been good if we got both of them to have them on the wings we'd have, we'd have been alright definitely then but you don't know you don't know well according to Twitter today we're, we're in for former Barnsley player Lloyd Barnsley. Isgrove yeah, now, yeah I saw yeah, that yeah. one he would be a hell of a signing, really, to, to be would, that yeah. foil for, for Nicky Adams. I've seen on um, Jordan Turnbull's social media that they're quite close mates. Um, maybe he's put a word in, Ooh. but I've seen oh, that. Well. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're learning how to play this game very well, Will. That's very <laughs> quick. Well done. Um, well, let's, while we're talking about other League Two clubs then, you know, we've mentioned Bradford. Um, are there any other sides that you're particularly sort of thinking, yeah, their certainties for promotion or anything like that, Will? 
I think Salford. I hate it. I really do. I think it's why? Why? Why do you hate it? Because I think it's silly. You know, Salford have been just paid to win. Isn't that what all football clubs do, though? Yeah. Yeah. Do you hate Man City? No. no, Right. Do you, do you hate Chelsea? You may be a bit too young to hate the Chelsea of 10, 20 years but ago. They're but they're not fake clubs. Salford's a fake club, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah really? It's a fake club. It, it, you know, it's Rodney, added a Rushton Diamonds thing. It, it's a rich guy's, well, in this case, more than one rich guy's sort of toy. Um, you know, it, it's not a proper football club. You know, I don't like the money that splashes around in football full stop, but I'd never pretend Man City and Chelsea aren't proper football clubs. Salford's fake. I'd, I'd in, like what, to... in what way, though, Rodney? Because they were obviously in existence before, just because they were non-league. Okay, I mean, they were able to pick up people like Rooney from Aberdeen and pay him four times what he was on in the Scottish Premier League when they were non-league. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. Oh, look, I, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you on that fact at all. But you, you say that the club's fake. It's not as if the club didn't exist before Gary Neville. Nicky Butt and, and Paul Scholes all came along and put it, some money into it. They were they, there. They were. I think they've only been around since the seventies. If you if you look at them on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. I think. But so I mean, they're not a sort of old old club. But no, I just okay. think I think fine putting some money into a football club. But they've basically bought their ticket for the EFL. I hate the fact they're always on the BBC Live or Sky Live. Yeah. It's almost like they've been adopted by all the TV stations because they can pan to the crowd and we'll see Beckham at Wembley clapping them and all of this. I can't stand any of it. No, that's fair enough. Chessie, what do you think? I think Plymouth are going to be very difficult to beat on account of the fact that it's effectively the Bury squad from from last year, isn't it? Because obviously the manager's gone down there and I think a good handful of the players that were at Bury last year have gone down to Plymouth. And that is always a very difficult place to go anyway, regardless of whether they've got a strong team or not. And I think they're going to be the ones to watch this year. They've got serious money that's come in as well. They've got a new owner. They've got this massive new grandstand that's about to open. It's state-of-the-art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the Ryan Lowe factor, the fact they've taken, I think, I think um, Danny Mayer, who was the player of the year in EFL 2 yeah. last season. Um, obviously, they, he hasn't been able to take Nicky Adams with him. Um, but no, I, I think Plymouth will be uh, very good. Uh, any anybody else? Will do you have anyone that you think might be up there? Not really sure. I think. What, what about what about Kevin Van Veen and his uh, scum? Th- well, I've seen him play. Um, I've seen so him on Twitter <laughs> on um, under twenty three Scunthorpe. Yes, yes, he did um, play in their under twenty three. But then I'm not sure whether that's because he's looking to leave. I'm not sure what that's about because he's clearly not in that age category. So. We've seen mm. Junior Marais and Billy Waters play in our, or as you call it, that squad. Mm. So I'm not, I think he's definitely looking like, I saw something on social media on his way out, but yeah, I'm not sure if he'll be a Scunthorpe player. The, um, 
The surprise for me is that no one's mentioned Mansfield. Well, that's because I think they did the worst piece of business in the summer by sacking the manager. I think Flick yeah. was a really good manager. I, I watched the playoff games against Newport and you couldn't have put a uh, Rizzler paper between the two teams. Um, both teams look really good and they've replaced them with someone who's got no managerial experience at all and used to play for Rajadon Diamonds. Who's the Who's the new Mansfield manager? John Dempster. Oh, is it? Oh. Yeah, he's well, just he's the academy manager. Yeah, he was. I I hate Mansfield as well. Remember when we lost to them in the playoffs and that on the penalty shootout that time? Who was the was it? Trevor Kettle was it? The ref or was it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Ridiculous free kick. Yeah, ridiculous. And they scored from it, didn't they? Yeah, I think Chris Hargreaves says in his autobiography, it's the worst refereeing decision he ever saw in his whole career. He said that live to us as well on the podcast last year. Yes, um, definitely the worst one. Chessie, you, you've got your hand up. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, going to what Neil said as well. Um, yeah, I totally agree with the Mansfield thing. It, it, it still breaks my heart to this day. But what I was going to say was um, you do, guys do realise that Van Veen naturally will score a hat-trick against us yeah, because that's what they do. But it's so infuriating, isn't it? Because he was the most infuriating player I think I've ever watched. I don't think he showed the effort that he needed to to actually, you know, take part in any match at our club, to be honest. And I was quite relieved to see the back of him. I think a lot of those players last season were sulking that they were playing in League Two. I totally agree with that statement. I I think a lot of them signed, uh, even the ones who signed in January, thinking, oh, well, we're going to stabilise and go up again. And I think a lot of them were sulking. The only one I wouldn't put in that category is Aaron Pierre, who I thought was superb last season. But I think people like Matt Crooks, you know, he showed up at Macclesfield how good he could be when he wants to do it. The thing for me with that is that if you want to play at a higher level then the biggest factor is always consistency. That's really what sets a player that is in League Two aside from a player in the Championship. It's the fact that they can do it like as good as they possibly can every single week and for the full 90 minutes. It, you know, flashes of brilliance can happen, Sam Hoskins, but you're not good enough to do it every single every single moment of the, of the game and every single game you play. Equally, I do think that it, it requires a, a bit of effort. I I think that with Matt Crooks and Van Veen in particular, I never felt that they were worthy of wearing our shirts because they just simply didn't look like they were putting any effort in. And you mentioned about Hoskins and his brilliance at Tranmere, but actually there must be something about Sam Hoskins because every manager that he's played under has put him in the squad. So he clearly wants it to work and puts the effort in because otherwise he just wouldn't be in the squad. He's still crap though. There, there, there is a very, very good point there. Yeah. <laughs> Danny's not here. Somebody, we, we've, we've basically found your replacement, Danny. <laughs> That's what we've done. Well done, Jesse. <laughs> Um, let, let's let's have a look then uh, at some of the other teams in League Two just very very quickly. Um, a couple of people are saying, and when I say people, I mean a couple of like media wannabes on Twitter saying things like Forest Green are going to be a side to look out yeah. for. I saw they signed I mean, um, Peter Bosch, striker, didn't they uh, yesterday? 
Does that mean they're going to do well? Because they've signed someone from Peterborough oh, no. promoted, even though they want to every single year. Um, no, but I, I've seen they've made a few good signings, and they're always up there. Who was the Who was the player they signed? Well, Stevens. Uh, was he the one that was on loan at Kettering at one point? Yeah, he was. It's the only place he's ever scored any goals. I think he got twenty five in a season at Kettering. But um, I, I think the problem at this level always is. We we don't know the players in the same way that championship fans know most of the players who play in the championship. Yeah. So sometimes when, when these players come in in the summer, you know I don't know who half of them are or whether they're any good or not. Um, that there will always be a surprise in there. I'm as I say I'm I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. Salford aren't up there, but um, there'll, there'll be a team we're not expecting who will you know maybe even one of the teams who's come in from non-league. Uh, in a sentimental way, I'd quite like Leighton Orient to do well, um, just as a part of the Justin Edinburgh legacy. Um, just There are so many don't-know factors. I think that's one of the problems. I think Forest Green, I would have said, um, would have been up there. But what I think we sometimes forget is that it's very difficult to come back from losing in the playoffs. I think we've been in that position before. We've gone, oh, we'll do it again next year. It's very, very difficult to put, pick yourself up after because they were so consistent throughout the season. They were always up in that playoff places. And you thought out of all of them, they probably, uh, in terms of the way the club is, is run financially, probably had quite a good footing to go up the leagues. But actually losing that does have a massive impact on clubs, even if they have got the financial backing behind them. Yeah, I think that's a, that's definitely a fair point. Um, what about if we if we uh, move on a little bit and, and start looking at what your guys' expectations for the Cobblers are this year? I've got us down as finishing third behind Plymouth and Bradford. That's me being a bit glass half full today. <laughs> um, um, but uh, I would be disappointed if we don't finish in the top seven. Uh, to me... There's no doubt that that squad is good enough, maybe with an injection of a fast winger. I think the only question to me is probably Keith Curl. Um, I'm not anti-Curl at all, but he is 55 and he's got no promotions on his CV. Um, and so that would be the question to me. I, I sometimes find it hard to understand what he's saying post-match. He seems to say <laughs> the, you know, pretty pretty well the same thing on a loop each time using a lot of very strange expressions. Um, I don't think there's anything dislikable about him, but, um, you know, no promotions. And he's been a manager or, or assistant manager as well ever since that Mansfield game we were talking about. That's a long time with, without uh, without one. But what about his hat, Rod? Come I, on, you've got to like him for his I, hat. <laughs> I, love, I love the hat, yeah. We should have an away game where everyone's wearing a Panama. Yeah. I think with with it's it's interesting what you were saying actually, Rodney, about his post match interviews or, or even pre match any interview really being it's a little bit difficult to tell what he's actually trying to say and stuff. But I actually think so. We we obviously we spent a little bit of time with him and interviewed him, and I think he's actually very very smart with what he does. Is when he's asked a question, if he doesn't necessarily want to answer that question, he'll just rabbit on about absolute nonsense until you've forgotten what you've asked, um, and. 
he also gives himself a lot of thinking time by just talking and, and, and saying stuff, which doesn't necessarily make sense and there's not much context to it and stuff. So I actually think he's being really smart there. And a lot of the time... He yeah, gets, he's, he's being a politician, isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. yeah and he, he gets is. himself out of... I really, really like Kika. I think he's brilliant. Um, I think he perhaps hasn't been at clubs that have been able to support in terms of financially, like we seem to be able to. But what I like the most about him is he's not really afraid to tell players what he expects from them. I liked the comment last season, towards the end of last season, where he said, I don't want young players walking around in shiny trainers and sunglasses and headphones. I really like that about him because I think if you build a football club on character and players who are there to actually do a job, I think you have more of a more of an ability to actually get the best out of those players because I think in leagues one and two especially we're in danger of losing our identity really to these these players that rock up at 18 19 years old thinking they have made it um, because they've got a pro contact contract and it isn't always like that it, you know you have to work hard in these leagues and you have to work hard because people like us are paying a lot of money to come and watch them well, I'd, I'd agree with all of that. Uh, I think he has certainly got integrity. He, he's intelligent. There is that old school of, yeah, wanting players to be polite and do the right thing. I agree with all of that. Um, I just, as I say, I think he needs a promotion on his CV. And if I remember rightly, when he joined the club and he was asked why he joined, he said, I need a CV on, I mean, I need a promotion on my CV. And maybe Chess is right. Maybe he's been at clubs like Notts County, Chester, uh, Carlisle, where perhaps he hasn't had the backing. Yeah, I, I totally agree with like what we were saying. I think at the end of the day, the one thing I want to see from Keith Cole is using the youngsters of the club. Because I think we have such talented youngsters and I just don't want them to go to waste and not get played. Scott Pollock, Jay Williams. I saw Morgan Roberts against MK. He has the ability. He's just lacking in confidence. And if he can get confidence, Morgan Roberts can be a consistent first team player. So I just want him to use academy players. But like I think we should finish at least top three. I'll be upset, like Rodney said, if we don't get playoffs. I, I think that expectations with the cobblers is always something that should be handled more effectively by the football club than it has done in the past. When I've spoken to the club before, and by the club I mean Kelvin Thomas, Gareth Wilshire, you know, pe- people that are either uh, staff there or you know own the club in Kelvin's case, uh, they they kind of come back and say things a lot of the time that the mistake that maybe that they had was that. They, that that year that we stayed up in League One, so when we started off with Rob Page and then ended it with Justin Edinburgh, um, more should have been made about the fact that we managed to survive. Um, and, I, and I think if they'd have made more of that, then the fact that then the next year the relegation happens, there wouldn't have necessarily have been as much expectation and as much pressure. I know there was the difference with the supposed Chinese money coming in um, and all that over that summer as well. But it's it's one of those things that had that expectation um, been handled accordingly, then maybe we wouldn't be sat here right now thinking we should be getting promotion. Jesse? Yeah, I, um, I have a, a slightly different opinion in terms of what I expect. 
to be honest, I just want to see the effort and the time put in because I, I, I think a couple of you guys aren't local to Northampton either. And when you're trawling nearly 200 miles up the motorway to watch them, I don't care if they lose as long as they're putting in a decent amount of effort. If you drive up that motorway and watch them lose 1-0 but absolutely play till their legs can't go anymore, then that's all I ask. I don't, I don't mind if they don't win every single game because realistically you're never going to do that. But you just want to see that element of effort put in. I remember when do we you played, see do you sorry Jess do you, do you think that you've seen that in the last three years absolutely not however um, there was one game we played Oldham um, I, I can't remember when it was it was last season and um, we we played Oldham and we won two one but we had Sam Foley sent off after about something like thirty minutes or something for a ridiculous challenge that wasn't wasn't even a yellow card. And I remember really clearly, I was sat in the East Stand with my uncle, and I remember Sean McWilliams, towards kind of 86, 87 minutes, he physically couldn't run to get a loose ball because he was exhausted. And that's that's what I want to see, because if they can put that much effort into the point where they physically can't do any more than they're doing, then they've done their job. You're never going to beat every team. It's never going to happen unless you're one of Wilder's squad that beat everyone. And as long as you put, you can show that actually you've done everything you possibly can to win that match and you don't do it, then that's okay. Yeah, that's why I think that the youngsters, like you said, Sean McWilliams, academy graduate, I always think with youngsters, they always put in 100% effort because they know they're playing for the club. They've probably sat. Like I remember sitting, as a season ticket holder myself, I remember seeing Scott Pollock literally sit to the right of me and now he's playing and he gives, like, players need to give it all. And I think especially the younger ones, they always give it their all. So, like, especially with Sean McWilliams, he definitely gives it all. So, that's for me, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of get the point that I I want to see players giving their all and, and putting the effort in. But also some of, you know, some of the world's best players historically of of you could argue it's looked like they've not been given the rule but actually that's just their their style they're a bit more languished and stuff like look at Zinedine Zidane you know like he was you know one of the football's great technicians um, and obviously we don't see that sort of quality at our level but he wasn't tearing around everywhere and stuff but when he had the ball he made things happen and stuff so I, I think there's a balance I, I, you don't want to see someone being lazy um, you don't want to see someone you know not given the rule, but sometimes I think like John Joe is, is, is an example of that. I think sometimes it, it did look a little bit like he wasn't perhaps that bothered, but that's just his style. So I think there is a balance. I think there's, you know, you get some players that like Marvin Swordell, for example, he, he's a bit of a different case, I guess, but his head clearly wasn't in, in the right place to, to be, well, he's retired now, obviously, but his head wasn't in the right place to be a professional footballer. He, he didn't really chase down lost causes or anything like that and stuff. But I think there is a fine balance. You don't just want, I heart back to like Ryan Gilligan. Um, a, a lot of fans loved him because he ran around a lot. And, and bar that one good season he had when, when Bayo set him up loads of times and he scored a fair few goals, he didn't really do anything else. Uh, so I, I'm kind of in the middle a little bit. I, I understand that fans and, and we want to see people that are giving their all and throwing themselves into tackles and all that sort of stuff. Equally, I've no issue if they're not doing that, if they're creating stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, Chess's point about, you know, I think particularly if you've made a huge effort to get to a game. So in in my case, I come up from Suffolk for all the games. 
I, I think I want more entertainment next season uh, as well as the effort. And I agree with Will, you know, you, you do get it guaranteed off the kids. I mean, Scott Pollock, if you look at his interview after he made his debut at Cambridge and that irritating commentator, <laughs> Tim, whatever his name is, who's interviewing him. <laughs> and, and um, he, yeah, and he kept trying to push it towards, towards Scott's individual performance and how great it was to be playing. And all Scott said was, he said, actually, I'm really gutted that we lost in that last minute. It's, it's, I'm really gutted about the defeat. And uh, I thought, great. He wasn't actually thinking about his own performance. He was just really disappointed the team had lost. And you want that. I want the team to be as disappointed when they lose as I am driving two hours through the Cambridge roadworks back to Suffolk after a game. I totally agree with that. It's that awful element of disappointment year after year, isn't it? I think we just need a break now. Yeah, I, I think that this season has to be a season that at least where... As, as you say, we, we look like we want to win and we look like that there's something that, that could happen, maybe not this year, but but looking ahead. And for me, the big thing is, is that we just stick with Keith Curl as our manager. Whether you like him or not, I, I think it's, you know, the, the chopping and changing of managers has been proven to not work in our favour. So we need to stop that and just give one manager a bit of time to actually see what he can do. If that, if that means that he gets us a promotion this season, brilliant. But also, if that means that it takes another year for him to actually end up building a team that does then challenge for the League 2 title or promotion at the very least, then that's what we should go for. Um, finally, guys, obviously coming up at the weekend is our first League 2 game of the season against Walsall. Um, I want a prediction from all of you on what the score is going to be. And then also what I want is the finishing position that we will have in League Two this season. We'll start with you, Rodney. Uh, I think it's going to be an exciting 3-2 win. I think uh, it's unrealistic to keep a clean sheet when there are so many new players getting used to each other. So I think a 3-2 win. And I think I said earlier, I think we'll finish third. Lovely. Will? Uh, I think it's going to be a 2-1 win. Uh, and like Rodney, I think we're going to finish third. Okay. Chessie? Uh, I think 3-1 on Saturday. I think Matthew Warburton will get a couple of goals. Um, I think seventh. Seventh. And I think we'll go up in the playoffs. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. Uh, Neil, are you going to completely ruin all our hopes and dreams? <laughs> no, I think we'll win 5-1 Saturday. <laughs> he, he, he started early, hasn't he? <laughs> he has. He's gone early. Five one, five one Saturday, and and I think we will finish eighth. Ooh. Oh, boo! Where's Danny? <laughs> I, th- I think that's worse than finishing fifteenth or sixteenth. Oh, definitely. It is. That's heartbreaking. It is. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's dreadful. Uh, well, I'm going to do a, a, a typical thing and uh, not give you mine and, uh, and and move on. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. So thanks to Rodney, to Will and to Chessie. Uh, thanks also to Neil, as usual, although I don't know why I thank him. He's always here being a pain. Um, but that is it 
for today. So we're back tomorrow uh, with more, this time from the guys from the local media. So we've got Jake Sharp and Mark Webber from Radio Northampton, and we've got Jeremy Casey and James Hennigan from the Chronicle and Echo. So make sure you stay tuned to your podcast feed or our website, cobblerstome.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Have a really good season. Ta-ra. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.